Welcome to BitFaced. You know what, Tyler? Before I get into Indie GameCon 2, did you have a Merry Christmas? I, I had a very Merry Christmas, and I know everyone's going to love listening to that. Um, no, the only reason I asked you that is because I know Christmas will have happened when we come out with this, but we actually don't know what's going to happen on Christmas, so you, you're a fucking liar. You know what? <laughs> I had a Merry Christmas episode, and... I'm always going to have a merry fucking Christmas. Okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Anyway, what follows is three more interviews from Indie Game Con. I'm pretty sure we're, this is going to close out Indie Game Con, correct? We, we, have, we have a couple more we might put up, but I think we picked our favorite six. I think we also picked our favorite six. I know there's a lot of great people that we could have put up as well. And it's not that we didn't like them or anything of the sorts, but it was more so we wanted to get you this particular content. And we think it will benefit everyone as much as we wanted to. And we kind of went with games that were further along in production, games that weren't, you know, I hate to say it, but there were some younger developers there that had no intention of, I mean, they were learning their craft and they were really cool to talk to, but we kind of went with uh I think the three we picked for this one, I thought we led with the best three, but as we were editing today, these might be uh, my three favorite. But anyway, we start off with a guy named Ben Davis who invented his own hybrid card game board game called Clash of the Genres, and I can't wait to play it. In fact, I guarantee you Ben might not be back on BitPhased, but Ben will be in the cave. We will play some cards at least with him at DCC. Great guy to talk to you. Great game. You were really impressed with the game. I was pretty impressed because I like board games and I like card games and he mixed it very well. Yeah, I I thought it was good. After that, we've got Ari from Jalapeno Inventive and Tyler, you're going to have to explain what Ari does. That's how much of a simpleton I am. I kind of can explain it, but I think it's going to be better coming from you. Well, uh, as he said, when we interviewed him, we're not going to go too far into it. So I'll just, I'll kind of throw out what it is he's doing and he's making a monetization system for games and it's a blockchain monetization system so pretty cool stuff if you're into bitcoin you'll know what we're talking about and that might be how you're getting paid if you develop games and he was a super nice guy really nice of him to re uh reshare the con it seemed like he had a good time also another person that waited around a while to talk to us that day so thank you Ari and uh didn't uh he didn't want to go live but he did want it recorded someday someone's gonna have to explain that shit to me again simple eric uh finally we end with ben pope uh his company live in the game they have four titles in development right now one uh, i think the first one coming out is going to be model weapons expert but what a fascinating guy to talk to and if i remember correctly tyler we did listen to part of this interview today he's a big fan of the horror genre and he brings a lot of psychology to his games and each of his games has a purpose outside of i mean it's all game development but he really brings he brings a lot of brains to the to the development yeah cuz he said it on the cast but i believe he was a counselor and so that's why he brings that psychological aspect to all of his games Anyway, I, I liked him a lot. In fact, I liked everybody we talked to. And if we don't have another... Fuck! <laughs> Didn't you love that anyway transition? No, I hated it. Um, if we don't have another Indie Game Con episode, I just want to say again, thank you to everyone at Indie Game Con. 
I'll give a little bit of plug to to Zen Paths. It's a great game. I'm sure you guys have seen it uh, at different conventions around the area. And those are the guys that kind of invited us uh, invited us out to to do the indie game con scene. So if this is the last indie game con episode, so be it. Uh, we had a blast. Um, there will be one more episode in 2016. Tyler and I have pretty much decided the episode that we did up at Kapow for charity. We had a lot of fun talking to Colorado characters. I hope I didn't mess that up because it's not on my pad here. But we had a lot of fun talking to them. We also got a little bit of time with Dylan, which was fun. But the main reason, we're probably going to air the episode from the comic book store. It's the first episode. I'm pretty sure I was close to shedding an honest-to-God tear. Not that you guys out in Bit Nation want that, but it was a, Tyler and I had a pretty frank hostful. Like we haven't had a hostful just us in a while and good God, the last hostful we did. I don't even remember recording as you guys listening to this now, probably know the Christmas episode was an absolute train wreck for me, but I, I heard Tyler had fun. So we'll see. Cause we're actually cutting that next, but Merry Christmas to everyone a week late. Happy new year to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. I, you know, I miss and I love all of you guys. And there'll be, are we going to do an intro for Colorado characters or no? Is this the last time I talked to the bit crew in, in 2016? Oh, I don't know this. Uh, I think we'll have to do an intro, but this one will come out four days before Christmas. So I will not know if I had a Merry Christmas, but you know what? I hope everyone else does. Oh, uh, you know what? My calendar's off because I'm leaving to go to Christmas, but Christmas really, no, this will come out. Will it? Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, on the 21st. You're right. This will come out before Christmas. So me asking you, how was your Christmas? I'm the the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? If if there's not a better way to end this intro today, if you guys that listen to us know one of us is the smart one and the other one pretends to tell decent jokes. But I love you guys. Tyler loves you, too. Becca will be back a lot with us uh next year and i hope you guys like becca as much as we like her because we think she brings a lot to the table and she's one of the sweetest nicest and most sincere people i think we've ever met in our life and if you guys want to know how that compliments me and tyler we're probably the least sincere (laughs) worst assholes ever yeah we're pretty terrible if that wasn't uh proven on the christmas episode but anyway and i hope it doesn't sound like shit on this indie game episode but roll the bit-faced music Okay, a little bit behind schedule, but still sticking with it. Right now, we are sitting down, and I think Tyler, based on what I see on the table, I see a pile of cards there. I think Tyler's probably going to be doing most of this interview, but we've got Ben Davis, creator of Clash of the Genres. That's correct. Talk to us about Clash of the Genres, brother. All right. Well, it's definitely a pet project of mine I've been working on over about three years now. Um, It is a uh, card and board game, which just made its way onto Steam for like a digital copy as well. And... um, yeah, this is just kind of my own thing that I have uh, from my love of games. Um, definitely a high strategy element to it, but uh, very open and easy for new players to kind of get into as well. Uh, three to eight players, actually. 
Yeah, so I can play this on Steam today if I want to. Yes, uh, well, what you would need for that, it is a mod for Tabletop Simulator. Okay. So it's, uh, it's like a board game kind of digital version that lets you import your own stuff onto Steam. Okay. Yeah. And so when you say Clash of the Genres, are the two genres the board game and the card game? Is oh, that what's no, coming together? Much more than that, my friends. So just to give you a little backstory with what this game is, we basically imagine, if you will, a pocket dimension. And in this pocket dimension, we have just this arena of ages here where there is a literal clash going on. We have just gladiators from all time and space just coming up and just doing all sorts of damage to each other. Sounds awesome. Tyler, I'm going to let you, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of I kind of warmed it up here for you. I know you have 100 questions. Yeah, no, I only got a chance to look through a little bit of it. But, like, tell me, I just want to know some of the mechanics. Like, if I were to sit down and play with you right now, how are we going to play? What do I need to play? A deck, a dice? What do we need? Well, uh, again, I'm kind of the, the sole heir to the physical copy right now. So working on that for sure. Definitely want to get some... Uh, some uh, support on that end to get the physical copy to people. But uh, if the, anybody did want to try it out, the Steam version is a great way to start that out. Okay. Um, so what it is, is the um, players all get uh, seven cards uh, as they draw from these four different piles on the board itself. So it's a community deck space, so we all draw from kind of any of those four piles we want. Okay. Uh, but it is a turn-based game. So I get my turn, I'm going first, I get two actions basically. So um, I have my hand of seven cards and I go ahead and decide, okay, am I going to move this turn? Am I going to use my cards in my hand? How are my two actions going to play out? Okay. And uh, so again, the cards are kind of diverse in terms of what you can do with them. Um, usually it ranges from doing direct damage to people within an area or uh, equipping things to add damage or add defense to yourself. Um, there are zone of effect cards, basically, where you literally just plop it onto the board and this area of effect happens every time anybody steps into that area. Uh, you have events, which just, you drew that card, you play that card. It immediately comes out into the table, can affect just you, can affect everybody, kind of just depends on what that is. Okay. Um, and then one of my favorites, the summoners, or rather the summons, basically, that kind of come and help you out. Uh, they're basically like another player. They, uh, they go after you, and they get their own turn with their own little like uh, mechanics that they have where each one of them has an attack value, a movement value, and a health value. Uh, we each get 10 life, by the way. I forgot to mention what we're working with there. It was going to be one of my next questions. <laughs> yeah, so we each get 10 health. Nothing too crazy. I meant to make this super easy in terms of calculations and you know how damage is played out. I don't generally need a dice. I have them actually with the game. It comes with a life bar of 10 health. Okay. Um, say I had a healing card and I was already at 10. I couldn't go past 11. We're trying to keep it simple. So most of the time, you know, it's balanced to the point where you could be done within maybe two rounds with like, you know, somebody just played two stacks of five damage. Boom, you're dead, you know. But here's the fun part. Say I got defeated. Immediately, a new mechanic comes in called the ghost mechanic. Okay. So I give my cards that I've, you know, I had in my hand to the player that defeated me. It's kind of their reward for beating me. But then I actually still stay on the board as a player. I'm just dead. I'm a ghost. So I'm the living spirit, the undead spirit that roams the battlefield just doing damage to people. So it's just a mechanic to help people uh, kind of move the game along. You can kind of poke people for one damage. 
that way uh, and if they have any defenses there you know it's like oh man the ghost can go through all that just reach through with his ethereal hand and just punch you for one you know that's kind of helps move the game with that and it's a really fun way to keep the people that got knocked out into the game right especially i mean if you're getting knocked out in the first round or two like you said that's uh that's really quick but i mean it sounds like a lot of fun to me uh i noticed there were some cards that stopped the amount of damage that people are doing to you so objection yeah it was gonna literally say. with an exclamation point there yeah if you draw right you might not just get knocked out that first turn yeah so yeah it's and then with those combo cards that rack up the damage you know it starts at at four maybe it's a double damage maybe it's plus two you know there's a lot of little modifiers but again for like the casual players like oh man it's getting crazy in these numbers it doesn't usually feel that way to most people that are just casual with it nice yeah. So what kind of games did you play when you were thinking about making this? Why? What came into mind? What were you trying to do? Well, the backstory there, summer of 2014, or no, 2013 now, yeah. And uh, so basically me and some friends were starting to play some Dungeons & Dragons. Nice. We played, you know, kind of a little bit into the campaign, got some battles, and I was like, hey, this battle system's cool. I've never played D&D before that. So I was a Magic game player, so I love Magic the Gathering. I like card battles. I like strategy with the cards. My biggest gripe with Magic, I can't move. I can't do anything about this. I'm just going to take the damage. So I proposed to these friends of mine, hey, let's make a custom game. So that's kind of where Clash started. And the genre mechanic and the fun references just kind of started to snowball as I uh, was creating the game. And I, I kind of just... I loved it so much, I just took it all onto myself to just kind of push it out there to the public and share it with everybody because it's really, really fun. Cool. Yeah, like you said, you've got a lot of references and, and things like that, like Objection is very Phoenix Wright. Absolutely, yeah. No, it, it was Interrupt to begin with, but I just love that Phoenix Wright. That is exactly Plus, you know, you just got to shout it when you play it. It's like, no, Objection. I would definitely shout it. Exactly. <laughs> so you said you have the only physical copy of the game. Is this something you're kickstarting? How can we help you with, with this? I appreciate the support on that. Um, it is actually on um, uh, GoFundMe. So it is uh, there is a crowdfund going on just uh, indefinitely until I raise the money for the manufacturing. Um, again, that's why I kind of created the digital copy to promote and demo the game for free so people can uh, check that out at their, at their leisure there. Um, but I do, I am trying to raise funds through GoFundMe, and it is on the uh, company website. I do have uh, clashofthegenres.com. It uh, has all the information on the game, where it came from, you know. The big thing is the art. I love the art. It's 16 different artists working on this, and they're all featured on the website. Um, it's just fantastic how it's come together, and it all, for so many different artists coming together, it all seems to unify. Now, are they all doing this because they love the game? Are they doing this for free? For oh, you? no, I, I, I gave them some money for it. <laughs> good, good. No, that, and, that, and that's great. I haven't seen any of the art yet. I want to I take, take a look. Yeah, yeah we got a stack right here. That is 160 unique cards. No, no duplicates there. That's what I was wondering. So at first you came over and said it was a card board game, and I saw all unique cards, and I was like, well, there's no colors there's no i mean there are colors but they're not necessarily related from what i could tell to certain things yeah it, it was actually the genre mechanic so that was actually something that was in the early parts of the game we had like some general boosts and things that would go on if you played a certain genre that you chose at like the start of the game so that's why there's roughly around i think uh eight genres maybe ten um and 
you know, we wanted to make it so that you felt like you were picking a side, but as the game evolved, you know, with the randomosity to it, with the way that, you know, you were community drawing it, it just felt like that mechanic was starting to get in the way. So I just kind of dropped it in favor of just saying, hey, you know what? That's a comedy reference. That's a horror reference. You know, it's a literal entertainment genre. Right. I'm seeing a lot of cool references in here, actually. And Tyler will tell you, I am not into card games at all. I would play the shit out of this. No, because it's fun. It's got a sense of humor, too. What's your favorite reference so far, E? What have you uh, seen? I saw one to, uh, to Silent Hill in there and I, I really think I really think that's cool I saw an Indiana Jones reference I've seen a reference to Portal I mean I could go on and on there's a whole stack of cards here oh yeah I uh no I would I think I would actually like to try this and Steam is where we can play it like if we went home tonight we could pull it up and play it on Steam so right? what it is you buy a copy of Tabletop Simulator uh, and then through the workshop through my uh, personal name uh, Proto165 um, but again you can just go to the workshop itself on tabletop and type in under the search clash of the genres and that will bring up the the workshop mod and you just subscribe to that and through tabletop simulator you're just going to pull down a menu that says workshop and that lets you basically host the game yourself all the assets are on steam cloud so they're ready for you to use yeah that's very cool i think it's pretty interesting how I, like if you do a lot of mods for like skyrim and stuff they're all through workshop so I think it's very handy, very useful, and I think, I don't know if I have a, a copy of Tabletop Simulator, but I think Adam does, and, and I, I'm linked to his Steam, so we could probably play tonight. I'd, I'd like to check it out. Now, I would prefer, you know me, I would much rather play a physical copy. Where are you at on the GoFundMe? What do you need to make this happen? I tell you what, right now, it's definitely looking like a next year thing for me. Uh, realistically speaking, I'm, uh, I'm just about under a uh, $1,000 in terms of my um, earned uh, donations there. Um, my goal is 5000 5000 will cover, uh, you know, generally just under 100 copies to spread to the public. Of course, if you donated, you're going to get the first copy available. Um, a lot of other goodies I got going in there are, uh, you know, some digital rewards, some really cool access to the art itself in full, you know, format. Uh, so I'm just doing whatever I can to kind of give back to the people that have, you know, thrown some money at me because it certainly has been a process. Three years. Well, yeah, I mean, but you did this all from scratch. Making a game, just like making a video game, it can't be easy. Nah, yeah. Well, have you wanted to give up at any point? Um, with some of the funding running dry, sure, it definitely gets that way. But then you just turn around and you look at what you have and what's available, and you're like, I can't give this up. I mean, I formed the company Indie Pineapple. That's my actual property. I love that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So that's meant to be a game design company. So if I can't get this first project out, then kind of defeats the whole purpose of the company existing. So, But I, you're pretty confident that this is probably going to be able to be purchased next year. I Yes, absolutely. If I get enough, generate enough people to see this and see how awesome it is, I absolutely can, yeah. Now, if I wanted to go on and get a launch copy, because I know this is going to happen for you, what is that? What's coming out of my pocket? If I, hey, you know what, Ben? When the game gets done, I'll support your, your GoFundMe. What's that going to cost me to get a copy of the game? I believe the, the first copy that comes with all the digital stuff, it's just basically the first uh, tier for the physical copy is about 50-some dollars there for you. That's about what I expected. That's... I mean, and you're getting you're getting all the cards. Plus, you're getting a board too, right? right. Yeah, I was gonna say, it looks like there's a couple different styles of board, or. Well, what I did was I um, I actually made a bigger space. On are you talking about the uh, the tabletop? Yeah. So I mean, I'm looking at the whole. It's got like 
box, and it's got like three sets of board, three boards here. Oh, the the actual crowdfund site. Yeah, those are actually the different versions that I've published in terms of prints and actual versions of the game that have come out. Okay. Yeah, I've actually um, I did a little demo for uh, Fox KDVR uh, w earlier this year, talking about it. And um, yeah, I had like about three different demos going on for that. Yeah, I mean it basically. People can't think of it as like a, a small little card game or something because it's not. It's it is like a large board game. Absolutely. I mean, I'd say what what to me is the only thing it's lacking would be like the custom figurines that some of these board games have. You know, ideally, I want that for the game. It's just as far as cost goes, I'm just going to go with the standard board game pawns. But what I always encourage people to do for this game, put their own pieces into the into the game. I have a bunch of these Pokemon figures and like little dinosaurs. I pop them in the game all the time as my player piece because it fits on the board. That's you. Yeah. Now, when you're testing something like this, are you inviting some of your friends over and like, hey, let's try it? Okay, hey, that rule worked. This rule did not work. Let's take that out. Is that has it kind of been an organic process? Pretty much, yeah. I would say uh, I've been to about three conventions to showcase it. So in terms of the general public, I've definitely tried to get that out there. But yeah, I got a small friend group that just comes together and you know writes notes on it and has some fun times. It's it's really very interesting to see how different every game comes out because I can tell you I've had it 15 minutes and I've had it over an hour it's really ranged in terms of how it goes about and it does kind of matter as far as how many people are playing you know it can get really interesting and I literally just added in a new feature for it that lets you team up so there's a co-op version now as well that's awesome and I think that's something that's missing not only from the board game genre, but also from the competitive card game genre. You can tell me if I'm wrong, Tyler. Hey, I said know. genre twice. Uh. That's awesome. <laughs> got to get people to know what that word is. Exactly. Hey, I, you know, I, I, I've got a very limited fifth grade vocabulary. I, I, I like to kind of rock it. Yeah, there's uh, in competitive card games right now, there's zero cooperative competitive card games that I can think of. Now, I could be wrong. Well, there was uh, the closest thing I could think of was the two-headed giant i think it's called in magic where you yeah. kind of have a shared life pool which is kind of what i did i took the uh you instead of 10 health you have a shared pool of 20 health so okay. yeah you have your own hand but you're also playing off of each other's cards to kind of really throw in those combos yeah is this what you want to do it would, would after you finish card board game genre where do you go from here because i know this is going to get done next year and you're going to be you're going to have all this free time where, where do you go expansions my friend that's the beauty of it <laughs> i mean keep on keep on good things now running, you're thinking I like ea <laughs> i mean dlc right <laughs> pay to play what what do you, what what's your opinions on that? Do you play video games at all? Oh, all of it, man. I pretty much yeah. I definitely think uh, that's kind of what makes me happy is the indie market starting to look very appealing compared to some of these other DLC heavy places. But my DLC is kind of different. It's again, it's turning it from, I guess, a trading card game into a collectible card game where you're just adding to the sets that you already have, and you can you know interchange them, take out cards, whatever you want. Nobody has to have you know the extra cards, but it's a great new feature to put in. I like that. So, um, what are you playing right now, video game wise? I know you know you, you don't have a lot of time developing what are you playing right now or what are you excited about um i would say man that's always a hard question for me just because i jump around everything um i do too i'm definitely a blizzard gamer these days i've been playing a lot of heroes of the storm a lot of that good good old fun action stuff um believe it or not i just found a command and conquer server still up and running so that's been fun 
Um, but yeah, no, definitely kind of jump around on the game markets for sure. Okay. And do you still play Magic? Are you playing Hearthstone? Do you still play other competitive card games? Um, you know, to be fairly honest, I've never really tried Hearthstone yet myself. Believe it or not, I've literally played pretty much every other Blizzard game but Hearthstone. Um, but uh, Magic, eh, yeah, every now and then I, I kept my old decks around, you know? So anybody that wants to play, I'm always down for that. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't played Hearthstone because everyone seems to really like... Um, really like that game, I guess. Oh, yeah. It looks great. I mean, especially if you're a fan of Magic. Like, oh, yeah. I started with Magic when I was four. <laughs> um, and obviously, I'm no longer four. But <laughs> it's it's got... I'm six. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's got a lot of... Uh, Tell very, jokes like you're six. <laughs> I know. It's got a lot of very similar mechanics. You know, you gain a mana per turn. You, can, you don't have to play them, though. So... I, check it out and if you play it you know what i'll play with you absolutely yeah sounds like a fun time i'm again i i'm into pretty much most games i'd say probably my my niche what i don't play would be sports that's about it no madden for me you like us do not look like we could even try it's, it's okay they've, they've they've changed madden a lot in the past 10 years <laughs> no besides besides graphics the sport i never understand how people could spend 60 dollars on now fifa is pretty fun i gotta say sports wise the mechanics and the uh the ragdolling on some of those soccer games are pretty great <laughs> okay so before we wrap here um i want to get it out there again i know tyler's going to put up links and post where can we find because th this is awesome and you can ask him i don't i don't really bullshit if i don't like something i'll tell you if i'm not interested in something i'll tell you as soon as i started flipping through these cards it's like oh tyler maybe you'll get me to play a card game now because this is way in my alley i like reference humor i like the fact that you've done your research and it sounds like a lot of fun so where, where where's the first place to go if we want to support this well uh i would start with the website just because that is the first place i start posting in terms of what's new where am i going to go next am i going to be at a new convention that's www.clashofthegenres all one word dot com um so just look to that for our general social media and then again i highly recommend this the steam app once you get that running that's an easy way to play it anytime you want really um and again uh, could tyler and i play two player sitting on the couch um, like against each other? You know, there is a way to do that. I think you just pass turns on that. Uh, the okay. only thing that's weird about that is seeing your hand. Because it does, it shows you your hand when you're playing, but it, it hides uh, from any other screen, basically, so you can't see. So you just have to do a trust thing with that, I would assume. There's, there's not much trust in the bit cave. <laughs> I don't trust E at all. Excellent. Well, Tyler definitely. Uh, I can't believe I just said excellent, but uh, Tyler will uh, will get post uh, up to this. Ben, this is this is fascinating. Thank you for stopping by and talking to us. About Absolutely, this today. man. My pleasure. Uh, and and again, that was Ben Davis from Clash of the Genres. You guys check it out. We'll be putting up links to it. I guess we can expect to probably see you at DCC this year. Uh, yeah, I've actually. I was there this this uh, this 2016 DCC. I was there. Okay. Yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. No, stop by the uh, stop by the table. We'll be there as media. Oh, uh, you know, doing, doing the same thing. So yeah, we'd love to. Uh, let's play too. Uh, I play the creator. Why not? Yeah, I mean, anytime. In fact, we'll do. Uh, I'll let you play Tyler um, because we'll all play. It's okay. We can all play. Players, yeah. I'm telling you, day, I right? never win. It's generally the newcomers that win. I'm just telling you right now. So you're you'll be fine. Well, let's 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 sit down. Maybe we even do it as an episode, a full episode of Bitface. We we'll sit Absolutely. down and play. I'm losing my mic here. Uh, Fix losing your, your mind, you're yeah, losing, I gotta your fix mic. My losing my mind. But no, uh, Ben Davis from Clash of the Genres. We're gonna take five, and then we'll be back with uh, with Ben Pope. Uh, we're gonna take two. We're gonna take. Okay, we're gonna take two. And also, Philip, I'm not drunk yet. No drinks.
sober, totally sober expo. Is that Philip Dean? Yeah. Hey, happy belated birthday, brother. Fantastic. We are back here uh, at BitFaced at Indie Game Con. Going to kind of continue with our string of interviews today. I've got Ari that just sat down with us from Jalapeno Interactive. First, I have to ask about the name. Um, so actually, uh, it's Jalapeno Inventive, but... You know, I uh, wrote down Inventive. I don't know why I <laughs> can say Interactive. I'm sorry. So it's all right. It Jalapeno Inventive. There we go. Um, so, so the name Jalapeno actually came from uh, South Texas. I was originally from, from Texas, and when I was trying to form this company that I've got now, it was, uh, it was a struggle. And there was a bike race that I had, I had actually won in, I think, 2012, and it was called the uh, Tour de Jalapeno. And uh, so we got these necklaces, and I was having to clean up my apartment, and I picked up this necklace. I'm like, hmm, Jalapeno. And I, I couldn't shake it, so we we kind of started with that. First, it was Jalapeno Games, and then uh, and then it turned to Jalapeno Inventive. So, okay. And what do you can you talk about anything you guys are working on right now? Yeah. So what we're working on right now is uh, monetization tools for specifically mobile developers in Unity right now. Uh, we want to expand out of that, but our premise is that advertising sucks, and it sucks for everyone. So we want to move away from traditional display-based advertising, you know, pictures, banners, pop-ups, that kind of stuff, and move to something that's more engaging for the user um, and, and has utility for the user. So, and that's going to benefit everyone, you know, the, the developer, the publishers, the user, and, and the advertisers. So we're really focused on creating these monetization tools that benefit everyone because it really should, you know. Are you okay, Tyler? I'm way good. I'm just super interested in this, in fact. And I know I'm thinking about it right now about why you probably can't talk about a lot of it because it's something we don't have yet and you don't want a lot of people to know about it. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're, our, our tech is not entirely built out yet. So we're looking to have um, probably a, a, an early beta launch around January and then our, our full launch probably April or May. Okay. Uh, but we're, I mean, we're super interested with connecting with more independent developers, um, larger you know, game studios. Uh, we believe we have something that is applicable to to every every demographic of, of game developer. Um, you know, again, right now in mobile, but we want to expand out into console, PC, um, even taking this model and applying it to you know mobile web, social media, any way that you can quantify engagement with the content and turn it into something meaningful for the user. That sounds amazing. Where did this all come from? <laughs> it actually came from an idea for a, uh, really, it was a Bitcoin mass adoption machine that I was wanting to build. I have a, my heart is very, very deeply into Bitcoin, and it's, it's a very powerful technology, um, but the applications that are going to really change the world haven't been built yet. And my idea was if we can put, you know, these Bitcoin and other currencies, other blockchain-based currencies into games as an easily consumable medium, we can we can create a generation of youth that thinks and feels and understands everything in Bitcoin. And that's where the truly world-changing applications are going to come from. You know, not now, but in 10, 15, or 20 years. Uh, but we've got to break these barriers that everyone has put up. Um, misinformation is a big one. Um, you know, people don't, if they don't know what it is, they, they don't trust it. If they know what Bitcoin is, they, they automatically don't trust it because they've been misinformed. Um, so we... 
basically circumvent all those barriers for entry and put it in an easily consumable medium like a game. Because users will trust in-game currency. They don't need to know that it's Bitcoin. Um, and that's kind of where it all came from. Uh, so, But th there's definitely still a Bitcoin angle for the future. Um, I mean, I would trust Bitcoin right away. But right. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's built for for that, you know. Yeah. So you don't have to trust anything about it. But again, users have been just thoroughly misinformed on what it is. And uh, you know, Where, where's uh, the misconception come from? Because I did a little bit of research on Bitcoin, and like us, sure, probably a pretty easy sell. Mm -hmm. My grandmother. No effing way. Like, yeah, there's no way you're getting her to use Because that. she's heard that, you know, it's been used in, you know, different, you know, fraud and, and the black markets, um, human trafficking, like, all these bad things. And, they've you know, everyone has heard, oh, Bitcoin has died. Bitcoin has, quote, died 50 or 60 times based on the media. So people think that it's just this weird currency that doesn't mean anything, that is somehow having value, but they don't understand why it has value. And they don't realize that it only has value in the same way that our dollar has value because it's traded against something else. Um, and that's the only thing that gives it that, that monetary value. Um, what's, what I feel is so important and powerful about Bitcoin is it in itself is just a representation of something. It's a representation of value. It's a representation of, of you know an asset, say these sunglasses. Um, when you can take something so tiny and represent something so valuable, there's just, that's so powerful. Uh, the, the, the Bitcoin assets, the Bitcoin 2.0, you know, sort of movement, that's what I'm really, really excited about. And those are the things that are going to just make transfer of, of money, transfer of ownership, uh, super seamless and, you know, frictionless. Which, you know, if you want to make a, if you want to, even right now, I had a, a problem getting a, a check from, you know, one person's bank account into mine. It takes five to seven days just to get that. Like someone's got to, you know, sell something here, get into a cashier's check, make the deposit, wait for it to clear. And all of that can happen within minutes with a blockchain best currency. So... Do you think, though, that a lot of the trepidation the American public, not the public has, but the businesses have, is, dude, this takes this takes the credit card and the debit fees out of the equation. This takes the physical checks that banks charge 50 bucks a box for out of the equation. This Is that, I mean, same reason we don't have electric cars. Let's, let's be honest. We have, we have a solution. No one in this country is going to go for it, though, because of the, you know, the oil industry. Are we running into the same thing with Bitcoin? Um, yes, but I think Bitcoin is, um, say, you know, let's say patents for the electric car industry. Some, a lot of those have been bought up and then just, just buried or burned, if you would. Um, so they're, they're gone now. You can't do that with Bitcoin. You can't stop Bitcoin. So there is only one choice, and that is to comply with the growth of Bitcoin and find a way to utilize it so that it makes those businesses better and not just better for themselves not just better for visa but better for the consumer like that is what what bitcoin was about about empowering the consumer with their with their value whatever that be be it currency or um you know assets or whatever but you know we should be in control of our stuff and it will move that way you think so 
I guess yes. I'm I guess I'm a doubter only because I know how people hang on to what is familiar to them. Change, even for the better, is scary. Right, and that's why we kind of come back to uh, to my method, how I want to introduce this to people, and it's in a way that they already trust. They don't have to trust something new or learn something new. You put it in an application that is immediately understandable and consumable and, and within a context they're familiar with so that they don't have to they don't have to go research for hours and hours and hours and get confused and confused. It's just, hey, you want to do this thing, you need this thing. So get this thing and do that thing you want to do and just make it as simple as that. And, uh, you know, don't call it Bitcoin for now. Okay. No, you're, I mean, you're right. You know, it, it, it almost seems a little a little bit of trickery, but it's, it's for the sake of, of keeping that misinformation out of the equation. Okay. And, and I think that there are a lot of different currencies that have popped up after Bitcoin that could, you know, maybe have a part in that. Not saying that one's going to rise up and take over Bitcoin, but... When you call when you call it something other than Bitcoin, it's easier for people to consume. I mean, there's a reason that blockchain that term has been used more and more in the place of Bitcoin because it is uh, it's separated from all the negative information that's circled around Bitcoin. Why why is this so scary for everyone besides the aspect of change? For me, I think it's the um, I can't see anything physical. Like I I can hold a dollar. Bitcoin works differently than that, though. Correct. Yes, but everything's digital now. Just because you can hold a dollar doesn't mean that's the only dollar you have. That's true. That's your, true. your dollars are on your phone now. This is coming Just from the guy who specifically only plays digital downloaded <laughs> video games. I do. <laughs> you don't. You don't put you know ten bucks in cash and send it off to Steam every time you want to buy something. No, no, <laughs> not at all. And I, I, I like what you're saying as far as the convenience aspect, and that's what's taken me from. Well, space, number one. Number two, from away from physical media, is convenience. It's not waiting in line at GameStop at 10 o'clock at night to get my game, go home, wait an hour and a half for it to download, then I get to play it. No, I, I just power on the console at 10 o'clock and I've, I've got it there. Is that the kind of convenience you're, you're kind of looking to bring? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, it, sh- it should be that. There's no reason why someone has to look at your transaction, sign off on it, someone else signs off on it, some other n- signs off on it, another bank signs off on it, another bank in between that signs off on it. Everyone's just signing off to take their little cut of that transaction. And yeah, it's it's scary for the people who are all the middlemen in between. Um, but you know, you gotta evolve and just like driverless cars are coming into effect. Um, the world has to, uh, has to accommodate. Every industry that has gone from, you know, uh, to, to technology replacing those humans goes this way. And banking is not going to be any different. Driverless cars scare the living shit out of me. It's it's kind of it's kind of scary. Oh That's my god! Gonna have a, a, it is going to have a very big effect on the economy in a lot of ways. Just the uh, insurance so st- industry alone. But I'm so stoked. If everyone had driverless cars and they were just a box and you didn't have to see outside unless you wanted to and we could all just have a table or a bed or anything inside of them like i don't need to drive i just need to wake up in 6 hours and be where i'm at and and that's what technology is going to do it's going to take all these mindless acts and mindless jobs oh well i shouldn't say mindless but um simple jobs uh and 
it'll it'll take care of them and then hopefully you know my hope is that we can become a more advanced society as a whole like why aren't why aren't we more educated now that'll free up people to become more educated yeah and and to to be able to create more advancements for for uh, our world all right e let me propose this future to you real quick do it we have leo and mio satellites for internet global internet gigabit download everywhere that's awesome i just log on and then we have driverless cars and on our hour and a half drive up to the con you and i are just playing video games the whole time because we have internet everywhere rather than driving and listening to music and i mean i think it sounds good on paper yeah it's gonna be sweet it's gonna be crazy awesome well and not just playing games but hey we can be more productive too like <laughs> i can actually get <laughs> ari's like why don't you guys read a book <laughs> we're like no <laughs> no like you know i have all these crazy ideas that i want to document and start to flesh out when i'm driving and i can't because i'm driving yeah and uh we can just we can make better use of our minds it's just like if i could never sleep and do all the things i wanted to do if we didn't have to eat that. that'd be amazing i know so inconvenient <laughs> I like to eat. <laughs> if you guys can't tell. Uh, right, but like if you could literally just take one pill and have like all the nutrients you needed for one day. You don't like the taste? That burrito you just mowed down didn't taste delicious? That burrito was good. I had a year early. Oh, my God. It was, it was tasty, right? Yes, it was. But you know what? It took me an hour and a half to go do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that. No, that you, you I, make a you make a very. I'm, an, I'm an efficiency freak, you know. As a CEO, as a founder, like I've got to use my mind as effectively and efficiently as possible. No, and I can tell just by talking to you briefly here, you definitely like to think outside the box. Why advertising? Why were you one day, Ari? You woke up and you said, "I'm going to change the world." Why? Why advertising? Well, so and and that's that's not how it worked. That's not how it happened. Okay, tell me how it happened then. It started with Dogecoin. Um, and then, and then it turned into you know into Bitcoin, and then the mass adoption ideas. The mass adoption ideas were wrapped around a game, which was actually kind of similar to Pokemon Go, uh, a digital geocaching game with all these different you know characters, attributes, blah 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 blah. And then tried to get funding for that, didn't work. Kind of came up with a platform idea out of that game, and then I had to figure out a way how to monetize that platform, and it turned into you know, this advertising concept. And so then we peeled off the Bitcoin stuff, stuck with the advertising, and then pared it down, morphed it, pivoted it into what, you know, we we're about to release this, this next year. So, yeah, I didn't wake up in the morning and said, I'm going to change the world with advertising. <laughs> but then I realized that there is a way to change the world with advertising. And, uh, and that's going to be, you know, really a big stepping stone to creating a better digital experience for the end user okay that's that's awesome man i'm and you say this is coming next year can we find anything about We're, our it, listeners can they find anything out about this now um a little bit so so um our website is halapen.io we, we got domain squatted on so we had to take the o off but halapen.io is our is our uh, consumer facing site um like I said, we're looking to have uh, a first early beta launch in January, and that is our our phase one product. That's right around the corner. Ian. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. You, this this is done then, pretty much. Uh, we have a walking skeleton as of right now. Um, my yeah, I've got a, a pretty good developer on it, and um, and yeah, it, we should 
couple months, we'll, we'll have something. And if we have some game developers, that's what we're re really looking for right now, some game developers to work with us so that we can start getting it in there, showing that it works, um, you know, increasing their revenue so that they can pay the rent. Because that's, that's what this is all about, you know. We, they want, you guys want to live the dream. These guys want to live the dream and make money off their games. Well, I want to help you do that. And, uh, again, this is all a first step to, to changing the world. <laughs> no, and that's, and that's awesome. And are you, are you specifically looking at the independent game community? Or are you looking everywhere? Um, I think right now, since we're in Colorado, we want to look at this, this community right now. Um, and, yeah, we, from there we'll, we'll grow grow beyond that um, but yeah this is this is our focus right now um, it's a great community and uh, you know we're right up in Fort Collins so just an hour away and we make it down here so yeah no everyone that we've had the pleasure of talking to today has been uh, has been super nice and uh, and very friendly and we like we're kind of a part of the whole geek community but we find everywhere that we go, everywhere that we do BitFace, I mean, everyone is so welcoming, so sharing. They so want to talk about their ideas. I don't know if I've ever talked to anyone on BitFace as intelligent as you are. I can tell <laughs> just sitting across the table from you that, that you think way outside the box. But uh, is there anything Tyler can put up, link to, anything you want to promote? Don't have to. I know. Again, I know you're you're kind of keeping this close to the vest, which I would do as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, our, our website, um, we're on Facebook, uh, Jalapeno Inventive. we got a Twitter going, trying to engage with more developers there. Oh, fantastic. Um, you know, just uh, just those for right now. Uh, I think we have a, a small sign-up, like a beta sign-up on our webpage. Uh, game developers, just fill that out, and, and we'll be in touch. Okay. And, and yeah, Tyler will definitely get links up to this. All right. Thank you for so much for coming by and sharing your, your amazing ideas with us. Yeah. And again, uh, before we put this out in recorded form, we'll let you know in case you don't want it to go anywhere besides live today again. Cause I know I can tell, I can tell where you're holding your cards, man. You're, you're, you're holding them right here. So, uh, so yeah, just judge, please let us know, but thank you for stopping by and sharing with us today. Yeah. This is, this is fascinating shit, man. So thank you guys. yeah, no problem, man. All right. Take care.
And yet you're going to want to go right into it, Ben, like like Britney Spears. <laughs> but yeah, right. right. <laughs> That's funny, man. No, not right now. We don't. Uh, so, so we do we I, might uh, add it depending. Do I stick this on or this? Yeah. We have if not, dude, take a business card. It's been a while since I've done that. <laughs> if you want something a little bit more extended. Uh, so we can, I mean, we can set that up too. We might stay later tonight, just depending. Uh, okay, cool. Thanks, man. Okay, yeah, we should be good to go here. And you're, you're Ben Pope, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, go, go right into it. Uh... uh just had a question. Is this going to be streamed up or placed on the site later, the recording? Uh, we're live right now. Okay. This will, uh, we cut everything into episodes, and so I don't know when it will release, but we release an episode every Wednesday. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah so it'll, it'll be up. You'll be able to, uh, you, you'll definitely be able to find it. I'm not sure when, but before the end of the year, well, definitely. That will just be on the site, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. It'll be on, a, if you go to bitface uh, bitface.com, okay. uh, it'll be on there. Uh, we stream through Podbean, um, and then again, yeah, this is going out live right now. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah. Is that good? Oh, that sounds perfect. It, it does sound so better now. Yeah. Um, okay, and, and we won't wait for Tyler to get back since I know we're on time here. Uh, just sitting down right now with Benjamin Pope, and it says, I guess according to my sheet here, you're a model weapons expert. Tell me about that. Oh, actually, that is one of our titles of one of That's our That's your title. So, yeah. So. Oh, see, I was completely confused. <laughs> uh, so it is a game. I was like, this this guy's going to talk about I wish I was a model, model weapons, weapons expert. That'd be cool, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about model weapons expert then. So uh, right now we're, we're actually working on four different projects. Uh, model weapons expert is one of that we're using VR with. So what I wanted to do is capture um, our games all have like a psychological background to them. I'm a, I'm a psychologist, uh, and so I did counseling for a long time. So. Each game that we have has an underlying th- theme of that. So with that, we're dealing with a PTSD, but we're doing it in a way that does auditory cues, kind of like it was, it's kind of a mix of Surgeon Simulator with a Full Metal Jacket, if you want to think. That's the best way I can explain it. So we want to have the interaction of the VR, but we also have the auditory cues of the PTSD with this drill sergeant. So we kind of want to make it funny in a way. Where you have this stress in your ear while you shake, your hands are shaking, and you're trying to get it done. So we're dealing with reputation meters, the stress effects on that. So we're gonna have indoor and external environments as well. They're gonna be in. So I mean, it, the game was really popular down at Comic Con in Phoenix. We were just down there in June. So I, I actually went to UAT, University of Advanced Technology, and I graduated there last year because I finally decided to go back and do games, which is what I wanted to do. So we went to Phoenix Comic Con. It really got good feedback there. So we went to the Game Expo there as well. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I connect with this. When, when do you expect this? Uh, when can I play this? Can I play it today? Yeah, we have. We, I do have three demos that you can play of the different games. We have four different projects right now that are in different levels. So we have alphas and betas. Right now, I'm just trying to get. So I was getting some legal stuff together. We all know how fun that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hard part is just explaining it to my studio members what that means. Because then I'm like, I have to translate it. So I went through that, and right now we have four different demos. That game we're planning on releasing first. So I'm thinking this year we'll get it out. But I'm trying to plan by 2017. By 2017. Yeah, now, sure. the other three games you guys are working on are those virtual reality-based as well. They're all unique. Uh, the one, uh, my, my inspiration from this actually comes from the founder of Atari. So the founder of Atari, like his goal when he initially started Atari, which is where I grew up in the 70s, 79, so I got into the Atari first, and he said, we always want, we never want the same game twice. That was his goal. 
it didn't work, you know, after a while. But like, his, is his, this Bayer or Bushnell you're talking about? Bushnell. Bushnell. Yeah, okay, that was his goal. Yeah. So he really wanted to get in there and not have to see me twice. You know, where we're just rehashing the old stuff again, like Call of Duty, maybe in the sense that people view. <laughs> so that is my goal. I, I want to always have a unique experience every time you play. So every game is going to be separate and different. So each one, uh, one I have is a, is a 2D uh, psychological game that's based on a girl. It's very story narrative driven. She deals with the loss of her family. She has to go through this uh, world and come to terms with it. So she deals with a mirrored world. And so there's one version of that on a PC. I also have a, a, a mobile game, which is going to focus on the defense aspects of it. She carries around a mirror that she finds that she has to defend. So it's, it's really dark. It's very, very psychologically based. So trauma. Because I, I, I did counseling for a while. I counseled kids, too. So I dealt with that a lot. So one of the other games, uh, we have Rye Reveries, which is going to be based on the old point-click adventures. Sierra was my, um, I was like my hero. Sierra Online, King's Quest, Space Quest. Roberta Rainbow. Williams. Oh, my God. She, she's my favorite inspiration ever. So I wanted to go back and do point-click. Is she click. really? Yeah. That's... That's good to hear because I think I, we're probably pretty mm. close to yeah. age. Were mm. you born in 79? 79, yeah. Okay, I was born in 76. Oh, perfect. But yeah. so I grew up same area as you, mm. King's Quest and the Sierra Games, uh, Police Quest, Space oh, Quest. Oh, absolutely. All of absolutely. those are, are hugely influential mm. on me. I'm just, and you're taking that mm. to your point and click mm. game. And I'm, yeah, I'm bringing it in and translating it in my, kind of my way. We're using the same basic mechanics of, you know, the pointing on the talk, you know, speak, interaction. So, you know, where you click the button and you have to move around. But we're doing it, we're taking it, I actually started this from a game jam. So I, I used to run game jams down in Phoenix at UAT. I did my own game jam series. And uh, what I did was go into uh, dreams. So we did this dream based, where I had to, every game had to be in a dream theme. You know on a game jam how you have a theme to everything? Where it has to I, follow. I'm not familiar with oh, the term okay. game jam. So a game jam is basically everybody gets together for 24 hours or 48 hours, you know, however long. And they just bust out again. So you have designers come in, you have all these people, and you just go to it. You're put on on different groups. You're split off into groups for that, and then you're assigned, you know, different teams, and then you just go to it. So you work on it, and it forces people to work <coughs> in a time frame. You know, we have to come together, and it forces people to work together too, which is not always the big, you know, best thing that people are good at. <laughs> they're like, oh no, no, I want this idea, but it helps you to do that. And we all have to work in teams as part of studios. You know, game game teams. I mean, that's all it is to today. You know, well, let's work together because you can't really do it all on your own. Not very easily. Right, because you're working with the team mm -hmm. on these four games yeah. as well. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned a point and click. You mentioned a side scroller mm -hmm. in VR. So I have to ask what the fourth one is. <laughs> yeah. So right now we have uh, a mirrored pop-up play, which is going to be an offshoot. There's an offshoot there of that game, so it's going to be a mobile version. So we have so we have the mirrored pop-up play. We got the Rye Reveries. Model weapons expert, and also I have, um, yeah, the other one right now is a, a puppet master. It's a, another game jam title that I want. It's really early in production. It's going to focus on the mobile. So you're going to focus on the story of a, of a girl and a boy who become they get they, they get transformed into puppets. So they're they're marionettes. So it focuses on marionette battles. So the marionette physics of the bodies and how they move. Okay. By reveries, I'm super excited. About. I just want to comment on that one. Please. Mirrors our flagship. Model Web is expert had a really good turnout because of the VR. Rye Reverie is, is one of my favorites because it focuses on each person. So what I'm doing is I'm taking a historical figure from the past. The first one's Edgar Allan Poe because he's my favorite, one of my favorite writers of all time. So we're gonna take real base knowledge of facts 
real facts, and we're using those in, in conjunction with a dream sequence. So he's in a dream, so you can go to town with it, you can have fun with it. So we're going to take that character and put him in a scenario that could be people like, well, yeah, you know, it attracts to the fans of that person who are really good hard, you know, hardcore Edgar Allan Poe fans or whoever we use, but also attracts new people. You know, so the fans are like, yeah, I, I can see that story. I remember that story. I remember the story. You know, the really good guys who are going to call you on your facts. And they're also going to do, it's going to be episodic, which I love episodic games, by the way. Telltale was my inspiration for that. Episodic games are really cool because you're done. You know, you finish it in four hours, you're done. And you go on to your life, you know, because people are busy today. We have a lot to do. So we're going to follow the next one. It's probably going to be Van Gogh or my idea. Focus on him. So you have stylized art for every uh, game episode. Van Gogh's art, you know, Edgar Allan Poe's type of theme. And uh, it's very stylized. So we're going to follow that. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I find myself, I go to the telltale genre no. when I don't want to lack of a better term not rage at a game but like yeah. playing something like Dishonored or Call yeah. of Duty is a different experience than when I sit down to play Telltale Telltale is more relaxing it is and, uh, have you played uh, have you played Batman the new one? Oh yeah it's phenomenal so good yeah <laughs> I, I, I know so it's, it's not over yet, but I've been very mm. I've been very impressed with what they've done with uh, with the Batman character, and they're telling me a Batman story that's a little bit different than what I've seen before. It is true; they're, they're taking on their own spin of light, and you kind of be evil or good too, which which I, I really like. So, did did psychology bring you to game design, or does that come from your love of Atari and these mm. just kind of a, a happy meeting? Because you mentioned psychology multiple times now. Now I have to know. <laughs> no, it's actually a really good question because uh, game design. I've always wanted to be a, a game designer or a game maker ever since I was like five. I got the Commodore 64, and then I was playing Congo Bongo. Oh, yeah. That one. So I got really into games, and it was a, a, my dad brought it home. Actually, the first system we had was at, at Texas Instruments. TI-99? TI had a game system before Commodore, so they had it right about the same time. But and, and not, not many people know about that one, but you know about the Commodore. And then I played Atari, and I was like, whoa, man. And then I got into PC gaming, it was on from there, you know. And then Once I played adventure games, because I was always an adventure game reader, because I found the choice, you know, to be really interesting. That's why I'm a huge fan of Telltale. Adding that choice element to where you dictate what's going to happen. So the psychology came later, because I actually wanted to go into game design a long time ago. But back then, they didn't have the programs separated like they do at UAT or, you know, uh, a Full Sail or any of those. They didn't have them split up like they do. Because they didn't have programming. You couldn't do like a separate, like be an artist or a designer. You just had to go do programming, basically, was what it was. Back then, it was programmers did everything. Programmers were, And I know why now, because you really need them on your team. Because <laughs> without that, you don't have a game. It doesn't work. <laughs> you just have a bunch of stuff lying around. So like that psychology came in later, because I decided, you know what? I'm really good with people, so I'm going to use that. So I went, that's why I went to psychology. So I, was, I was actually inspired by a teacher called... Uh, Jim Hoadley. He was actually in Austin when I was in Texas. I went to school there. He was such a witty guy, such an awesome guy. He made the class really fun. I'm, I'm, all right, all right. I went to programming, tried it. It was my first semester on my own, actually, at Fort Lewis. I went down to Durango. First semester around, you know how you're responsible when you go out on your own for the first time? I took programming that semester. <laughs> made a, a D. So I'm like, uh, I'm not going to do this right now. It was just a lack of, of, of maturity, basically. So I went on from there. I said, I'm going to jump into psychology because I'm really good with people helping them out. And I went on a mission from that. I went all the way to master's degree, did counseling and therapy at the mental health center at, at, up here in Colorado. And then I went, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to do it again. And, but this time I'm, I'm mature. You know, I can do it now. You know, I can lead a team. I, I found that a lot of things by going through the psychology program 
With psychology, you have to challenge yourself. You have to learn about yourself. You have to really explore that, especially in a master's program. And so, and, and by helping other people, you really just decide who you are. So that helped me to really focus on how I'm going to develop games too. Yeah, okay. I, I can use that knowledge on myself and other people to understand how that works, and also how to sell it to people. You know, how to connect with the customer. So you mentioned that your the virtual reality game is going to, um, and that's Model Weapons Expert. Model right? Weapons Expert. You're looking at PTSD, but it sounds like you're looking at it from more of a humorous angle. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Yeah, it's uh, something I didn't want to go really serious, like because I've seen a game. Uh, there's one game called uh, The Weapons Assembler. Uh, it's a it's a where you put the gun together, but it's more of a simulation. So I went out. Anytime you make a game, you got to go do research on what's out there. I always want to have something that's not out there. Always, always, always want to have something that's not out there. That's my goal. It's a mission. So with that, I went out there and I said, well, we got a simulation, you know, which is all about the gun, which is making realism in the gun. I'm like, I don't want that because that's boring to me. I mean, you know, people like it. <laughs> it's a thing. But then you go out there and you say, okay, there are games that are really, you know, kind of goofy, like Surgeon Simulator, where, you know, it's supposed to be a, ser a serious simulation of, you know, of a surgery. And it's goofy. So I said, you know, let's take the psychology of this. Let's take this serious thing, this PTSD, and let's. The, the best thing I always find is humor, laughing about something. It's something my mom told me a long time ago. If somebody's making fun of you, just laugh it off. Laugh about it. Because guess what? It takes the fuel out. It takes the problem. It diffuses it. So that's something I use a lot. It's humor. So okay. with this serious thing, you're like, well, the guy, you know, it's a whole VR adds an element. That's why it works. Because you have the hands in there. You have this. It allows for the humor to take place, you know, and it really does. That's why it works. I think. Is making a, a VR game harder, easier than making a side scroller? Mm. There's got to be different elements that go into it. VR is definitely more difficult, especially with uh, we're using the elite motion. Which, when I saw this technology, my friend had at UAT, and I was like, man, this is perfect, you know, for what I want to do. And when you get into it, the hardest part is. You know, the uh, sensitivity, because uh, that's something right now uh, we're looking at updating. They apparently just upgraded their new software, which I'm hoping fixes that. Because with VR, right, you're going to have some of that because you have the field of range, field of motion, the uh, sensitivity to your touch and how it's going to work in the game. Like normally you just click on things, right, with a mouse. That works. But you're actually moving in and everybody is different. Like uh, I've tested it at two. And when you go to a convention like this, or you go to expos. You see how everybody tests it. Some people are like, well, where'd my arm go? But see, they're not doing it gradually. They're just like moving around. So, you know, that's where it's difficult. You got to factor in each individual and how they are moving and how they're interacting with your VR device. That's really where it comes into. And this is the, the model weapons expert. That's the first game you guys are going to, is that the first that's one that's, that's going to come out? One. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to release. Yeah. You're really taking a big, a big bite out of this. Man. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, you would figure if you, if you listed mm. those genres for me, I would figure the side scroller would mm. be the first thing that be you would like, get it out of the way. You know, yeah, let's, yeah. let's get, let's get that done. sounds like you're really challenging yourself with this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the side scroller one that the, the adventure game, it's just, uh, the reason why is cause, uh, it's like, it was going to take a little longer. The art, it's more difficult. So with the modeling, you can do that, and uh, it really comes down to the art. And like, and I, it's something I didn't really plan on doing. We actually planned on doing Mirrored first, which is my, my main big, big, big title, which it's just going to take to it because it took a little bit longer than I expected. But that's something you always find at projects. It takes longer than you expect. <laughs> and you gotta you gotta shift things around. You gotta move resources. You know, okay, resources. The side score one was just too demanding on art. 
So that's why I said, okay, let's go with this. Also, I found when you go to a convention, you really find what people like, too. I did not expect Model Weapons Expert to be the number one favorite, honestly. But then everyone was like, I want to I do this. So I was like, wow, you know, you really got to see how your products react to the customer. Like, you really need to connect with them and see what do they want, you know, what do they like. And then you, then you adjust accordingly. Well, and I think too, from a business mm. standpoint, going VR might be a good choice because I know it's the—I mean, it's—it's it's it's the hot good, new yeah. thing yeah. this year yeah, and absolutely. next year. Absolutely. I have not even tried virtual reality yet. Oh, it's amazing! I'm—I'm I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. I was hoping to get to try something to uh, try something today. Mm. But do you think that's the direction gaming's going in general? Well, I think um, I know VR. They were talking about it a long time ago, right? Like in the '90s, the lawnmower it's, it's man. Been, uh, yeah, exactly. It's been around forever. You know, it's, they've been talking about it. let's. Let's do VR, 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 VR. And it, like, it was a thing. Now they've actually come to, to the point where they can do it. Like I've seen uh, one of my friends, uh, a, a, a fellow developer, actually does VR games. He does them on the Google Cardboard. Okay. So he made a game with full 360 room where it's a horror game. And he did it for a game jam as well. So he, he's like moving around and you have different things popping out at you. It's amazing. It's like you're right there. So I think VR is definitely a good direction that's going, especially because of mobile devices, that's why. Because you can do mobile and it's just easy to do. And the, the, the programming is really actually not, apparently I was talking to the programmer, he said it's not too crazy to do, So which is nice. I mean, the, the, the kits they have now, the VR devices are actually made to work together now. So rather than being like a separate thing, you have to get, it, it works with your software, it works with your mobile device. So the, it's really come down to programming has really become refined now. So they want to work together, you know. It's, it's easier to, to just plug it in, play, you know, to go from there. Plug and play. You you were about to say something. You're getting all excited <laughs> over there. Uh, I, I don't I don't remember exactly what I was going to say. I was just thinking, you know, I know the uh, the game that you're playing, the horror game, is augmented reality. So you have to be able to have the camera available. Yeah. But if the Google Cardboard had like a hole in it and you could just put that on your face, that would be one of the scariest games to play, just oh covering up your face. Especially with the augmented reality. Yeah. Because augmented reality is going to be the next, I think that's like the new new direction. You, you're taking reality and changing it. I, uh, I think that once everyone saw Pokemon Go, mm. they were like, oh, okay, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now this has been done, just like Mario Brothers. Okay, now we've seen this. There's going to be a million copies of that, and, mm. and not in a bad way. I mean, there'll be good ones and there'll be bad ones, but look how well the side-scrolling genre has held up. That's There's true. still side-scrollers coming out today. I mean, even last Friday one came out, and I, I think I don't think that genre goes anywhere. Do you guys think mm. VR is it is it flavor of the year? I I think it's going to keep going. I, I think the augmented reality actually is going to take the next level. So I mean, Hololens is going to do yeah, yeah the Hololens is going to be awesome yeah <laughs> and i'm really stoked for that and even some of the vr games i could see coming more into an augmented reality kind of version mm. because you could wear that around and play a game in a field <laughs> with your friends basically mm. and that could be pretty neat yeah i, I definitely agree i thought i i think it's going to keep going I, I don't think it's going to die out or anything yeah and if I you haven't since you haven't tried vr just all i can say <laughs> is just just it's amazing. Wait. Just wait. 
again, I was hoping uh, maybe to, to, to try some today. If not, one of us will end up getting the PlayStation set up is, is my guess. Have you tried the PlayStation VR? I haven't yet. It's, uh, it's next on my list to go. To I'm just curious what you, what you thought about it and, and if it was worth the $400. I mean, Sony, like the Sony does a really good job, I, I think, on their, on their system too. So me, I buy all the systems. I'm not like a favorite to any just because there's games on each one I want to play. And then a PC, there's stuff on there I want to play. And boom, you know, so I, I don't want to live at myself. Yeah. What so, are you playing right now? Um, right now on PS4, I'm, I'm trying to finish until... I, I just finished Until Dawn. Okay. Which is one of my... That game is phenomenal. And Evil Within. So I'm all my... Evil Within just keeps going on and on. I'm like, man, it's the largest horror game I've ever played in my life. I'm like, wow, man, this is intense. And it just keeps going. It's, it's a phenomenal game. I love Evil Within. It was. Um, really I good tried one. it. I liked it. Mm. It was very hard. It's one of those games. Really seven zombies, five bullets. It's like, really you, challenging. You, miss, you can't miss shots. You can't. Uh, which which I like. Is is horror your favorite? You mentioned two horror games. Is that your favorite genre of gaming? It's weird. I, it was funny actually. Uh, I, I was interviewing at the school, and we were doing like a mock interview with one of my teachers back when I was at UAT. And he's like, "What are your two favorite games? You know, genres?" I said, "Survival horror," and. Mario, you know, or like, or like kids' games. He's like, "What? <laughs> it's just so weird." But you know, like, I, I don't like to limit myself, you know. But survival horror with VR is even better. That's where you get it. Augmented reality is going to be huge for the horror game uh, uh, genre. Is there a horror game I can play on VR now, either on the Oculus or on the PlayStation? PlayStation VR um, until dawn actually has a roller coaster horror ride. That does it really? Yeah. It's an offshoot. It's like an offshoot of their their horror game. Because I know uh, awesome. Resident Evil Seven. That's gonna be going amazing. to be uh, virtual reality. I, did, I tried the demo of that. It looks, it's really good. Oh, it okay, really but cool. but not virtual, right? You just tried the normal. Yeah, it was just the beta, so the they beta. Didn't have the okay. didn't have the beta. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to trying that out. And I I've told Tyler before multiple times mm. when I heard about VR, horror was the first thing that popped in my mind. I was like, ah, you know. Mm. Yeah, not you, but for me, yeah, without it, without a doubt, I, I like to be scared. Mm. If you can immerse me in something like that, I, uh, it's going to make it even better. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't I'll, wait. To also, play it. simulations are a big, uh, big thing for VR too. You like flying, you know, VR. You can move around it. Those are going to be good ones to that. So simulations. Where yeah. can our listeners find your stuff, your studio? Where can where can we find? So this? we can go on to www.live-in-the-game.com. So okay. I tried to get the live in the game. I kind of got to buy that domain too. <laughs> Once you get domains, you know it's crazy, man. But yeah, they, they can go on there. We have links to each of the um, each of the different pages, so you can find the different projects. You can also go on Facebook. We're on Facebook and Twitter and all those too. Tyler will definitely be throwing up uh, up some links. I know we've talked about the four games that you're working on now, Ben. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Plug today? Yeah. Re- um, the one thing I want to say, I, I want to definitely. Our, our catch line is makes games that live on. So what I want to talk about that, really, because one of my missions, two missions that I have for the studio, because I, I really respect the old guys who really started off the field, and that's one thing that inspired me. Like Roberta Williams, Sierra Online, they, they took cha- challenges, they took chances, they took risks. Atari took a lot of risks. Nintendo, all those guys. And what they did, they had a passion for it. Passion is what drives it, and then uh, that's what you need. You, you need that true love for it and for me I want to make games to live on part of two two things I want to do inspire future generations to want to be game designers so like Roberta Williams did for me I want to do that for someone else that's what I want the studio to do I also want games to live on I want our games to be there forever 
and being played 30 years from now. You know when the Nintendo just released a mini Nintendo and we're still playing games that long ago? Yeah. I want that. So I want my games to be there and someone to go, man, I remember that game. Like, that's what I want. So I want that legacy. So that, that's one of the key things. So, so I have gotten involved. I did a lot of work at Phoenix with uh, kids game jams, uh, kids events where you inspire coders. So there's a lot of that in Phoenix that was going on for a while. So they, they do that a lot. So they'll do uh, inventors, you know, conventions. So th those are really, really nice to do. So I'm going to try really try to get involved in the gaming community here. I just moved up us up from Phoenix to here, just filed in Denver. So I wanna, this is my first foray here into the Denver gaming scene. So I'd like to really get involved with anybody who does like kids events, any of that too. So I, I want us to split into making games but also helping the future generations. I think that's fantastic. I think that's very, very noble way to look at you know something that started as your hobby and now it's your profession. So oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> and taking the psychology aspect to it too. I I'm looking forward to all four of your titles. What I'm really looking forward to though, I know you'll make a horror game. I know you will. I mean, I can tell. Right? Oh, I'm gonna do. Yeah. It. See, I'm I can. I, I have no question in my mind. I'd, I'd bet a hundred bucks that that that's got to be coming down the uh, coming down the pipe for the company. So yeah, we're also. Uh, I'm also really looking right now. Just you know, if anybody uh, you know wants to join, I just send us uh, send me the information. And uh, yeah, I I can give you guys a contact or right. Oh like yeah, an, e yeah. Like an email. Yeah. Oh, you can give us an email. And Tyler can post up anything you want on on our website. And then when this episode goes up, we always post links. Uh, put anything you want up there. We're we're really all about uh, at Bitface here. We're about promoting the local community, whether that's comic books or video games or we love all of it. So well, uh, it's definitely something. Indie is uh, the way to go, man. Indie, right. Okay, I, I'm gonna. I, I got you. I got you. We're gonna. We're gonna wrap here, uh, awesome. Ben. Uh, model weapons expert. Uh, he gave you the information about the studio and the studio. Live in the game. Is that what you call it? Yeah, yeah. Live in the game. Mirrored. Uh, so you'll see a lot of the other games I was talking about. They'll be up on that site. No, and thank you for sitting down and, yep. and, and sharing uh, your passion with us today. We really appreciate it. Loved having you here on the show. Yeah, I'm super excited to be in the Denver and gaming scene. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you got to. You got to stop by because we'll. Uh, you know, this is. Uh, our kind of goal too mm. is our community here. We want it to be LA. We want we want to we want it to be. Mm. We want the geek community. And if you get to go yeah, to Denver Comic Con this year, yeah. you'll see that we're not too far off. We really are. We're, you're on the way. We're on the way there. We are on the way there. I mean, it's it's the second uh, it's the second biggest con in America now. That's so awesome, Denver. <laughs> so yeah, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a lot of fun here. And yeah, we, we really had a lot of fun talking to you today. Yeah, man, I, I totally had fun with talking to you guys. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks, bro.